1: <laughs> yes, we are, because that is the name of our show. Welcome. I am Sam DeLev, and this is our Children of Airte After Show, where we, in the northern hemisphere of Airte enjoy the ever-encroaching heat of summer, while our heroes in the Fail put yeah. their snowshoes back on. Give us a month. <laughs> we're really going to start envying them. And with me tonight, hopefully keeping cool herself, is the inimitable Deborah Inwell returning from theatrical glory with delightful voices, now fully in stock. Thank you so much for joining me and please say hello to the people. Hello people, friends and enemies, welcome. (laughs) So before we exposit our lore like it's on a two-for-one <laughs> deal, I must first hold forth about tonight's sponsors. <gasps> Idol Champions of the Forgotten Realms, we are giving away codes and you can type bank code in chat for a free Electrum chest in-game. Diehard dice, purveyors of click-clacky math rocks. You can't use them as a ruler, but you can use them to insight check, said ruler. Use code ERTE at checkout for a 10% discount. Doing a giveaway in chat during stream and Sirenscape, because Epic Games require epic music. And with that out of the way, on with our show. I'll with a reminder: you too can ask our guest questions, like "Why does my neighbor keep insisting her garden gnomes are not from (laughs) Lorilla?" by asking your question with question in all caps in chat. But of course, I. Get all garden gnome-related inquiries first. It's in my contract. <laughs> really, I was a very forward thinker, so I get first question of the day. <laughs> and, Debra, yes. we've had some big lore drops in the past month. So yes. how did you decide that now is the right time to deploy the garden gnome?
0: <laughs> <laughs> the garden gnome. Um... Well, I mean you never you never know when it's the right time, really. Um I felt, you know, maybe a year was enough time to have kept our party in suspense. <laughs> um also I, I always knew so I, I started of think, you know, the great thing about druiding um is that it's its own form of stealth, right? So that you can be, you know, you're just a little mouse, you're just a little squirrel, right? And that you can just kind of literally fly on the wall if you want to. Um <laughs> listen in and get to like to get some information and so in a way I knew I wanted PIVM to sort of I wanted PIVM to surprise them especially because they haven't really met very many other folks <laughs> in this place mm-hmm. um at least not very many with information um and it's generally my adventures tend to be fairly isolating I I enjoy that kind of storytelling players really on their own to figure things out with their own ingenuity. I think that's just a stylistic preference of mine. Um, So a lot of my adventures have that, but I like the idea that like Pivim, if he's in the ocean and being a seal for a while, comes across this party and he gets to kind of spy in on them a little bit and see what happens. And then when he finally comes forth, he can do it because he's watched them for a while and knows he can trust them. so that was kind of fun. I kind of, you know, I think the the last adventure lent itself to this sort of surprise.
1: <laughs> there weren't We're enough surprises in that one. No, yeah. no, my
0: goodness. Um, so, yeah. So I don't know. I think, you know, they had done such a great job of exploring and finding things. And I wanted to, in a way, sort of reward them for all of this really great investigative work and putting things together. And everyone had a great theory on what all this was. And you know, I've put limits on how long they can talk to Ivy and all of these things. So I just wanted to make sure that at a certain point you say, here you go. Um, Now the great thing is, though, Pivim doesn't know everything. He knows these worlds, and he can kind of share some of that, but a lot of the specifics and details are still left open, and and that would be a recommendation I would have for any DM, is make sure that your NPCs only know what they know, and that you always kind of leave a little mystery, uh, you know, behind.
1: Did you intend some... Do you consider... Give mm-hmm. him to be fairly knowledgeable about those worlds. Because we got a fair amount of information. Some of that is just from stuff that's very basic to me is entirely <laughs> unknown to you. But, uh, yes. you know, you're a guy who knows stuff. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, he knows L'Orealia, right? He knows his world. He knows the veil because he's been here for a while. And he knows the stories. Now, that you know, that's another lovely little thing I've, you know, trick I've set up for myself. These are stories. They're not facts. Right, these are not tales of history. They are tales of, of of whimsy, and while those have a grain of truth in them, just as our fairy tale stories do, um, they are they say more about the people telling them than they do about reality, um, the the cultures that created those stories. And so, I again, it gives me a really great way to say, "Here's a little tidbit. I'm giving you a little bit of information about where you are and what this is." But nothing here is concrete or solid. These are clues towards where you are, um, because these are just fairy tales, right? The, the Snow Queen is not exactly you know Anderson's Snow Queen, but he's been inspired by. And so it's fun to kind of uh, you get to have your cake and eat it too. <laughs> you get to be give information and be sneaky simultaneously.
1: Surely, surely you're not suggesting Pivim's an unreliable narrator. <laughs>
0: we are all unreliable narrators right
1: i mean don't that's listen chat are. you can trust
0: me definitely for sure
1: <laughs> i'm sorry
0: yes only sam sam is the most reliable narrator uh the rest of us are very unreliable
1: <laughs> oh we have just a wicked question uh from fool Ooh. squeaky what is the best flavor of garden gnome and how should you cook it
0: Oh my goodness! Flavor of garden gnome. Well, you know most of them are 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 uh, 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 pretty hard and dry and ceramic, so I, I wouldn't recommend eating <laughs> eating the airte variety of garden gnome.
1: Well, all um, right, but I want to ask why garden gnome? They're in all of the the fantasy fairy tropes in all the world. Garden gnome, we get garden (laughs) gnome. Thank you, by the way, for garden gnome. That's a gift. um, I don't know, I think for some reason I've always been really interested in them. It's so
0: interesting to me that like people buy little like gnomey figurines to put in their gardens. And I grew up in a city, so we didn't have things like that. I grew up in Brooklyn. So like, yeah, so it wasn't something that was part of my life growing up, but I know know that that's a big deal. And it is, it's so different. Like I could be like, Oh, if you, you know, if people put little rabbit statues or little deer statues, like I would get that, but little gnomes, it's just so interesting that that is a choice. And I like the idea that they're kind of protectors of the garden. They look over things and, and this idea that, you know, like, what if they, what if at night they do come to life and like go around and weed your garden beds and take care of things and, I don't know, there's something interesting to me about that kind of Toy Story-esque to it.
1: So should I understand that some past scribe carried the knowledge of Bandicoot gnomes into Erte that we now experience them and can purchase them at our local Home Depot? exactly and the, and that potentially
0: yes the, the scribe went and saw this and went wow these protective little creatures that take care of the the land and 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 love wildlife and flora and fauna um and were so enchanted by them and the way that they looked that when they returned to erte they told the story and somebody wrote it or said oh that's a cute tale and made <laughs> made collectibles out of it
1: so our scribes are the connective tissue between these worlds, telling the fairy tales that create resemblance between them. And they could share anything that they have learned with our world. Sure, but again, it's in the telephone. And they brought Exclusive. us gardeners. Well, no, but they brought us a lot of things, right? I mean, we have
0: lots of fairy tales of lots of different things. This is just the first sort of literal one that they've encountered. I mean, the snow queen is one, you know, I'm not saying that Hans Christian Andersen was a scribe, but maybe he knew one or a scribe came and told a bunch of stories and those oral tales and traditions went into game of telephone, right? So that, you know, that could be a story from centuries ago that a scribe brought to Erte and got told over and over and over again until the brothers Grimm or, you know, Christian Andersen, whoever it was, sort of took it and made it their own and told that story
1: on the air can report that we have done some investigation and discovered Hans Christian Andersen never denied being a scribe. Oh,
0: <gasps> this is true. This is true. He never said he wasn't. Trippy.
1: So you mentioned that this fairly isolated, like, low NPC saturation yeah. of a setting yeah. is kind of a preferred approach of yours, which I didn't know. Are you maliciously mm. denying us that Minnesota accent?
0: <laughs> I know, are you kidding? I love doing that accent so much. Um, I I think I, hmm, I don't quite know what it is. I mean, I'm an introvert by nature. Um, and so I, I generally don't prefer like large crowds of people. I'm much better one-on-one. And even in this kind of scenario, I just, I find it's really, it's, it's a fear and a, and a weakness and a flaw. I just sometimes as an NPC, they'll ask me a question and I go, and I kind of freeze up. So I, I think I, I go low on the NPC scale, probably just because I'm still learning myself how I prefer to do it. Um, And I do, I mean, I just, I, my favorite thing at a table is to watch players figure stuff out, right? Like really I'm a map maker (laughs) and a puzzle maker, and I just get to set you loose um, in my crazy escape room underwater (laughs) with a giant (laughs) telepathic squid, you know? Like, so, and then I just get to witness the incredible power that my players have with their imaginations to create this story. Um, and sometimes when I do a lot of NPCs or I, I, I feel like I'm guiding too much or they, they become so important so quickly. And I really I really want the players to lead. And, and I haven't quite in my mind, my process figured out how to have an NPC truly follow the player's instincts but still somehow be more knowledgeable than they are in the world. So I'm still, I'm still figuring out that balance, but I, I mostly I do it because I just love players and I want to see what they do. (laughs) I'm not as interested in what I would do.
1: (laughs) I don't know. I think the last chapter illustrated a beautiful solution to the problem. (laughs) You can have all the NPCs you like and they will simply eat the characters have given it (laughs) to Just eat you as fast as they can, yes. (laughs) We had a question to that effect um, from Sudian. What is your name for the abyssal elder entity slash Kraken slash giant squid boss? And uh, why is it Irma?
0: (laughs) Um, So in my notes, This is a little hush-hush. Don't tell the players um, <laughs> if they watch, watch, close your ears. I just call it the first one. Um, <laughs> that's a little, <laughs> maybe you'll find out later in some other subsequent lore drop why I call them the first one, but they're the first one. Um, that's all I call them in my notes. I mean, they are, you know, essentially, my inspirations are always the the like, the stories I loved and the things that always inspired me and and taking those, taking tropes and ideas that are so clear that you can say giant squid and we all have kind of a communal, an amazing communal understanding of what that is. It's like telepathy, right? I can say giant squid and you see something. I have inputted a picture in your brain and And I like the idea that with some of these tropes, we are kind of immediately on the same page um, because then I get to twist it on you, right? Like it isn't just uh, 40,000 leagues. What is it, 60,000 leagues? I forget what it is. (laughs) 30,000 leagues under the sea, whatever it is. Um, It isn't just that story. It's now that plus this, you know, creepy, able to read your mind, able to manifest your greatest hopes and fears. you know i get to twist it a little bit which is fun but we're all we're all in the same story together and there's something really powerful about that using trope to your advantage um without letting it take over without letting it become predictable
1: eat your heart out captain nemo <laughs> now i'm worried though because the existence of first one suggests there might be more, <laughs> I, I'm sure it's fine. We have nothing I'm to reach sure out. Sure, it's fine. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Uh, but do you have any sense of like when, how on the nose to play those kind of tropes? Do you have some sort of like, okay, here is where I back off, or uh, this trope isn't necessarily transparent enough to be that kind of shorthand right. you're talking about? Right, I need right, to right. lean in more. Do you have a sort of like a heuristic for there? This is Um, the fairy tale point that I want to hit.
0: Right, right, right. I mean, I think, you know, I think I spoke, talked about this before. If it wasn't on the air today, then it's been another podcast and things, but just a great um, uh, um, exercise, like writing exercise that I really respond to was called the literary scratch test. And, you know when you'd get allergy testing, and they scratch you, and they with something that you might be allergic to, and then they sort of you look at the dots, and you see what you respond to. So a literary scratch test—I'm um, forgetting the person who invented it—but uh, they the, the the they give you questions, things like you know list five things that break your heart, list five things that make you gag, list five smells that you love or five that you hate, or and it's just a whole bunch of things, things that break your heart. Um, And anytime you're writing out those lists that something goes, or you have a really immediate strong visceral reaction to, to me, that means I know how to write about that. That it immediately puts me in a space that I can be very inspired, unblocked, right? Like simple, like the stairs down to the basement, right? Like what a basic trope. Even those of us who didn't grow up with basements, know what that is right um you know spider webs you know uh, in the ce- you know ceiling of the thing we we all have this uh, sour milk right there are things we all respond to specifically you know un- uniquely but we all have a, a communal kind of feeling about it and and so a lot of times even if it's something that's really specific to me if i know it really well it's that idea of universality through specificity so if I go something that, you know, something that, that scares me or makes me sick or makes me sad, that's really specific to me, I know how to write about it in a really specific way that will make that telepathy happen, that will allow everyone else listening to see their own image, but that will correspond with what I'm doing because I know that in a visceral gut kind of way. So that's always my kind of test is that, that literary scratch test. Is it? am I a little bit allergic? Do I have a a reaction to this idea or this concept? Um,
1: And that's always a
0: really good place to go.
1: I had never been introduced to the concept of literary histamine, but I'm really (laughs) into it. I love that. It's great.
0: Even just as like an artistic like process or exercise in general, it's just interesting to see like if you were to answer those kinds of questions, what are the things that you go, ooh, that really, I feel that in a very specific way. It's cool.
1: Yeah. So in terms of things that have resonated with you or that are very close to you versus things that become close to you, because we know you are a research nerd and a very good company. And as Rumpus Imperator points out, this story's included some pretty in-depth dives, we see what you did there, on an incredible range of topics. And so far, how many of these things have you known about? How many of you learned from scratch, and how many were you just looking for an excuse? Yes. So
0: number three, all of it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm just a, I'm just a, a geeky nerd. I just, I love math. <laughs> I love science. I love technology, especially mechanical technology. I think I'm, I'm just too old for. I mean, I'm fascinated by computers. But I'm just too old for that to be like a <laughs> viable. maybe we'll see. Maybe I'll make some programming puzzles down the line if I can ever learn it. but specifically like the steam engine, right and and the the mine shaft, and specifically like the mechanical, the, all of the literal things you have to do to create an elevator in a mine shaft, you know a hundred years ago, you know, 250 years ago. you know, what is that? Um, require? How do you extract gold from stone at that point in time? Well, you use terrifying chemicals that today yes. <laughs> we know you should never work with. Um, it's just fascinating to me. Uh, I, I think I've never been very, I was never very good at history um, at school, but I love it through this lens, right? Learning about history through a specific lens like steam locomotives, Um and so, yes, so the steam locomotives, I'm fascinated by. I mean, I think I just, I love old trains and that idea because it seems so romantic and I was very allergic to it. Uh, and so I, I knew I wanted to do that research. Um, the mining and, you know, cyanide processing to get gold.
1: I didn't know that one. I'll be yeah. honest. That one
0: horrified me. Horrifying, yeah, horrifying. <laughs> um, but that's part of how they did it. It works, but it just, you know, it's just awful. Um, research, and, the strongest OSHA violations you can find. yeah, um, whole method. yeah, and all of those, all of the, the mines and how all that worked and how they go through is all all part of it. Um, the little old town, you know, I, I I didn't I don't think I um there wasn't like a ton of research there, but I certainly like looked up old. Mining towns and what would have been there, and when I did a little bit of research on museum uh, dioramas and the kind of things that they that they do, because <laughs> I was like, it's a big museum, I was <laughs> having so much fun with that because I really wanted, I really wanted the the zombies to be hard to spot, and there's something fun about having like you know which one of these is not like the other you know and there Um, is that trope of
1: museum comes to life that's yeah yeah so once again exactly so once again but the
0: again the twist gets to be that you know it comes to life and and then one eats one eats you yeah but which one is kind of fun uh so that and then yes diving I had to do a lot of research on how the diving works and and again you know it's always like a step further it's 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 science fiction in the true meaning of science fiction. I think sometimes people get science fiction and fantasy kind of overlapped a lot, but like true science fiction, which is my favorite reading is, is just that step beyond fiction, right? It's Jurassic Park. It's, yes. it's these, these like, you kind of believe it could happen if you just pushed it one step forward. And so not everything about the scuba adventure is absolutely possible, but it's all on the brink of it, right? It's all kind of, someday maybe someone much smarter than me could actually make this a plausible situation. Um, yeah. but there are, there's, I, I modeled that sea lab off of a real sea lab that is, you know, 60, 60 feet down and, um, 70 feet down. Um, there is a diver's gondola that exists. It doesn't connect the way that works, but it does can happen. Um, yeah, so all that's really fun. And I think also it, it's great inspiration because you start looking at diving and the actual dangers and things that you have to keep track of and you really don't get very much time on a tank and all of that and you know I think it's just I looked at that and I went wow this is really gameable I can I can make this a game I can I can say you have a time limit and beep 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 you know get going um there's something really interesting about that and I don't know, at least for me, I I, would, I never I thought
1: understand. of a safety stop being menacing ex- <laughs> until it was in the context of a chase. Yeah. I mean, well, leaving I guess- aside that it's the first time I've ever seen a safety stop in fiction. In fiction. No. But also
0: like, the, I mean, the, what's it's so terrifying to me that when you're diving at that kind of depth that you can't just, you can't just escape. Right. You can't just be like, I'm out of here and go up. You will kill yourself. So again, the trappedness of that is again, again, I I scratched myself at that when I went, that <laughs> is so scary that you could see daylight above you and air above you and know that you're running out of it and that you can't just do it. You can't just run away. It's just, it's just a great uh, it's a great fictional device gimmick to use. And I I couldn't pass it
1: up. So I infer from context that diving is not a thing you've gone really deep into. Does this yeah. has this process of research interested you or made you super hard nope out of the whole no, thing? I I would love
0: to go diving. I I think my my brother has trained for scuba, so he has his you know license or you know the what you need certificate for it. Um, I would love to. I've been I've been um, snorkeling. I was in the swim team when I was younger. I, you know I have some. Um, um, Some skill in that area, but I've never actually gone the full way and done the scuba. And I think, I think with a really, you know, trained. (laughs) Mm-hmm. guide, in a, you know, in an environment that they've tested. I wouldn't, don't go into sunken ships, people. Don't at home. Never do that. Don't go in sunken ships. That's not a good idea. Well, at least without somebody.
1: <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty, so. you know, that it's, you know, that it's, yeah. I mean, you know, as long as there are no first ones there. Have your dive master go first. Every time and there's, if there's a first if you run into,
0: into jelly, them, into jelly folk, into jelly people of any kind, go the other way.
1: <laughs> go the other way way but actually to that end of danger uh we had another question uh from Sudian about yeah. the underwater arc because it did get really dangerous like they split the party like it was their job I which I love it so much oh that's such good splits i love it Fantastic. so much i i'm such a fan of splitting the party
0: in fact i told them i was like look i'm not telling you to do anything but if you split the party i will never outright like Uh, penalize you for that, right? Because I am so the like intercut, when you split the party and I can go from like this, 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 and you get a little cliffhanger and you get to cut over here and you get a little cliffhanger, like, yes, you might get hurt, you might die, there will be consequences, but I'm never like outright gonna punish you because you split the party. Like, please do it because I think it's such dynamic storytelling and it allows these interesting pairings to happen where different aspects of their personalities come out. I am all about it. it. It was very surprising that at night underwater in a sunken ship, they were like, you
1: go that way. I'm <laughs> like, so genius. I mean, but, but at the end there, it was the closest I think we've ever gotten to a for real TPK. Yeah. So um, what can you tell us about the other side of this gm screen for that one cuz that felt close
0: yes so um i mean they were all very low i think you know at, at that time it, it's it is my job to make sure that everyone at the table feels the tension and is having fun right and it isn't fun if i just go you have no options you're dead right yeah. so i do feel like when when you're in tpk territory you want to make sure you give options so i want to say hey you're manifesting things with your brain maybe that's one way to go two the diver's gondola is there three you know you have this many tanks like they have options to make choices yeah. Um, some of them might work better than others, but I want to make sure that there's at least always one way for them to save themselves. Um, you know, I, I, I don't believe necessarily in just like torture killing your, your party um, because I want them to feel encouraged to do dangerous stuff and to take risks. And if I knock you out every time you do that, the story's going to get very safe very quickly. So I I like the idea that anytime anyone is in that arena of like just a few hit points or death saving throws or whatever it is, that there's always an option if you're smart and if you choose to take it, that will kind of get you out of it. Um, Now, who knows? They may at some point decide they don't want to take it or they'll make a a terrible
1: final choice. And then it's by their hand, and then their it's by own their hubris hand. that they have perished. And that Mind feels much is, yeah. better to you, apparently. Now I, I know. I think so. I think so. I think,
0: you know, you should know, like Robin, during those underwater adventures, there were moments where she was making choices, where she was like, I need to do this. And if it means I don't make it, you know, but you do, that's okay. <gasps> and it, yeah, but I, again, that's, I want you, I want to, if a character is going to die, I want it to be meaningful to the story and to the party. And so it should kind of be on their terms. Um, yeah, and then also cre- making sure you create villains like, you know, the first one I could wipe them all out if I wanted to, yeah. it's very, very powerful. Yeah. Um, But that's not what it wants, right? I think also making sure that like, your monsters and your villains have motivations and their motivations are not necessarily always just murder. Um, Same thing with the jelly folk, right? The jelly folk have some, they're kind of in cahoots with all of that. And so they're not looking to just kill. So when they take Maeve down to zero HP and she goes unconscious, I mean, she's underwater. There is no way for her to live. That's it. Unless my bad guys have a different motivation than just murder, in which case they can make that work. Um, so yeah, so again, I, I always try in any fight or you know encounter that I know is gonna be deadly to make sure that there are multiple ways to survive.
1: And it sounds particularly important the more powerful your enemy is, yeah. since, as you say, the first one is the uh, cephalopodal embodiment of rocks fall. Everybody dies.
0: It could, it could have, yes, it could have gone very bad.
1: <laughs> but again, I'm trying to give you hints. I'm trying to be like, not "We're not getting it." options in much the same line as you've talked about how you approach puzzles and agency Mm -hmm. in much the same way as you talk about not letting npcs drive the car exactly
0: exactly it all kind of falls into the same same space for sure
1: yeah so good tips for anyone gming out there options and (laughs) agency
0: options and agency for your players yeah
1: Yeah, but since I have um, mentioned puzzles, it's like, it doesn't even take a full three (laughs) beetle juices. It just takes the one. Uh, We have a question uh, from Imaginal Disc that, shock of shocks, I know, Uh, where they saw a prior interview about you using props and puzzles and how, if you have used that in your uh, DMing this campaign or even just sort of the mindset that you put uh, towards some of that like how do you bring prop mindset to
0: prop mindset right well so you know that's all the like papers that they find and stuff like that and you know a lot of that's flavor you know yeah. as much as anything else it's just a way to kind of be like one it's fun for me because I get to make a prop um and two it's it's something they can refer to, right? This way, especially like with the the hand signals for diving, right? Um, It's a a, one, a fun way to be like, look at the research I did. (laughs) Two, I got to do cute little doodles and I got to figure out like, why does this (laughs) exist? Like this is study notes for the test next week, which is fun. Um, And three, they get the information and they don't have to copy it down or write it out or, you know, because giving hand signals is a tricky thing I can show you, but then you have to somehow write it down or collect it, and this is just a really simple way to say, "Here it is. It's usable, it's functional, and it's cool, and all things combined." So, you know, I do think you you don't want your props to just be, you know, this is the type of money that they use. Here's a coin, because then it's just a prop that's kind of pretty to look at. I I want my props to have function uh, to to either. Like some of the fun, the tickets were really fun because they've had them the whole time, but they ended up being a puzzle, which was cool, you know, at the end there. Um, And so the idea that you could, you know, if I were at an actual physical table, I would have printed those out and handed them out to them at the beginning of the the game. And the idea that like 20 weeks later, they might've gone, oh my God, and put them on the table and rearranged them to figure out how it goes together um, is very exciting for me. So that's fun. you know the digital space is definitely a different digital you know the online space is a little more challenging for that so i'm trying to come up with ways to to do that here um we were just talking about word puzzles word puzzles are really fun and easy to do we we're talking about uh, some ordinal apps, which are
1: <laughs> please tell the good people about some
0: because overlaps some today some of my favorite um uh, uh, puzzles are <laughs> used to more labs, which are um, essentially words like like a palindrome except it creates two different words so um something like spot or um, what is it? spot or pots right so it's spot in one direction and pots in the other warts straw um, so those are really fun you can create a lot of really interesting puzzles using some more labs. Um another fun one is like words. There's gonna be a word for it that I can't remember, but words that um you can change the stress on. So um mm. combat versus combat. Mm-hmm. It means mm-hmm. two different things depending on where you put the stress. Um reject versus reject. Uh so there are a lot of really cool puzzles you can do with that.
1: Definitely um, get that as a content creator, yes.
0: Yeah, yes, 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 as a content creator. <laughs> as a content content creator. Um, so yeah, so I think, you know, finding fun, like those just exist and those concepts just exist. And, and so it's just about your creativity and how do you take that and make it a puzzle, right? I mean, is it a bookcase and there are titles of books and they have to pull the ones that have some more than in the in the titles at the same time? Like the, you know, if it's Mother Pots and, My name is Spot, and you have to pull those two books at the same time. You know, like, what a fun puzzle that is. And that's literally off the top of my head. Um, So, yeah, there's just endless ways that you can just grab things. You know, like, no one has a copyright on the crossword puzzle. You can make your own crossword puzzle, right? And so these puzzles just exist, and you just have to find the fun, creative ways to make them your own and insert them into the story.
1: I had never heard props as a way of conveying information to abbreviate note-taking before yeah <laughs> that is so good <laughs> what should be functional
0: the, the yeah. prop should be beautiful fun and functional i feel
1: i don't know that i had ever encountered one of those and i i genuinely genuinely have newfound respect uh for prop <laughs> gaming as a result Yay. Although I, I think if anyone had wished that she had access to some of those notes, it was poor Ivy trying to answer <laughs> open-ended questions <laughs> in she, sign about what she, element she had. But it's me, right? So I, I'm like, you know, she doesn't have anything,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, yeah. I'm, I am water. <laughs> You know, she's that's not what she's about. got. It's in a mirror. She didn't pack before she got stuck that's in. That's right. Here's here's
0: my other DM tip. Make it fun for you. <laughs> so like, <laughs> set stuff up where where you are as vulnerable as your players. So like something like that, right? Like she's she's stuck in a mirror. <laughs> yeah. They can't hear her except for that one minute, right? So I I've set up a situation in which they're gonna. I have to figure out how to play with them, not against them, with them. Um, and I think that's always really, really fun. I'm working on a, a a new campaign right now where I'm I'm trying to put in a lot of that, a lot of opportunities for the players to ask um, like in the moment creativity of their DMs in, in what I hope is a really fun, safe way, but just so that it's not all about like, oh, where's my notes? But like, oh, I have to, you know, improvise whatever this is in this moment yeah. you gave me three words you know like literally the equivalent of like you're a doctor you know at the grocery store
1: uh buying bananas you know okay go you know a new take on the herald it's not just yeah. for robin anymore it's not no Ah. Oh. but actually you know what speaking of ivy if we want to talk about the impact of some lore <laughs> drop yes this past month, I I would say uh, she has herself been the business end of said Lord Drop, uh, with the accompanying paranoia from our party. It's yes. not; it can't be surprising given that Lord Drop was Ruler's bad, and <laughs> Discovery from Ivy is Ivy Ruler. But how? how do you manage a party doubting a character like ivy on whom the campaign's conceit depends but the party has to be a certain amount of paranoid or you don't live to level 20
0: oh yeah well and and you know don't don't for a minute think that's not what i wanted right like you i right from the start you're meant to have mixed feelings about who this person is right so um and and again most parties will most parties know that the dms are are maniacal and that (laughs) we're we're trying to trick you every which way but but the great thing is that once you do that it starts to feel more like life which is really that you can't know and you have to go on some kind of gut um because if if I'm a, if I'm using tropes, but I'm subverting them, and sometimes in ways that you're not expecting, and sometimes in ways that you were, but it doesn't quite fit with how it normally goes, I, I get to reintroduce this idea that you don't know, right? You really don't, um, and and also it might be more complicated. Maybe she's both. Maybe she is a ruler who caused some harm and maybe she's also trapped and deserves to be let out you know like maybe she's deeply in love maybe she's fooling them it could be both right nuance right it can be both and 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 i i think ultimately again when we talk about player agency uh, if i make it too cut and dried then i've decided for them how to handle the situation if she's clearly good or clearly bad quote unquote then we i've decided already how to hand, for them how to, how they're going to handle it um but if she's more complicated than that it leaves it much more up to them and what feels right for this story and this group that they're their their story they're telling not that i'm telling but they're telling
1: i mean there there was a certain Percentage chance that this party's like, well, Pivm just told us you uh, you get rid of the rulers, ruler <laughs> squared away in this mirror, done. All right, one down. Let's go. Well, I'll offer this as well. So another
0: another again, GM tip if whether really you want it um, layered in there, right? So my whole thing, any any story goal should cover at least three types of motivation greed so you should get some kind of reward um pride so you should be heroic you're saving the innocent you're stopping the bad guy whatever it is um and and like curiosity right something you learn you'll get to you know be figure something out or, or save yourself right so the great thing with this is it's a little bit of everything right so potentially there's this innocent woman you could save too maybe she's terrible <laughs> but you're super curious about it. Three, it might be their only way out. You know, I think I think from the information they have and what they're working on and what Ivy has shared with them, th- this is their only lead. So in a way, I think if it's important to just the like progress of the story that they continue to find the shards and put them in, you know, there's a little bit of doubt, but there's also a little bit of need. And that, you know, I think that's important to have multiple motivations working on any goal in order, if you really need it to happen. That way the entire party feels motivated to do it. Um, and there's there's just more likelihood that, that even if they're not sure about her, they're like, we have to risk it because this is the way forward.
1: So you heard it here first chat. If you need party to do something at minimum, uh, call out to two of the seven dudley sins you might need to pull up <laughs> seven if you really need them yes that absolutely.
0: go with the go with the sins they're always really really helpful in terms of getting parties to do things
1: i mean though you alluded to curiosity which i know can motivate me to do <laughs> almost anything curiosity and also is my very, a very very strong motivator and i you know
0: i think there's very few rules that i give a party up front but Mainly they are like, just follow the thread, right? Like that's my only sort of request. It's like, maybe don't follow the bunny rabbit into the field when I've told you there's a mysterious well, you know? Unless the bunny rabbit has a top hat. (laughs) If the bunny rabbit has a top hat and a stopwatch, follow the bunny rabbit. But you know, like generally if you can, you know, I'm gonna leave you some some story threads and all I ask is that you open, may remain curious about them and build something into your character that is excited to follow the mystery to to adventure, even if it is only a love of adventure, that you build into your character a reason to to follow the thread. Um, but how you do that and what choices you make along the way, I want to be totally free. Um, but yeah, just like we do in life, you know, we just just keep that curiosity open.
1: Yeah, there are a lot of ways to uh, get on board with the RPG social contract, but yeah. please do, for your GM's sake, uh, though they will continue deploying greed and pride. We and work really hard, <laughs> so too.
0: we want you to enjoy the, the fruits of our labor, so
1: please enjoy them. <laughs> it's true, but mm. for all of the paranoia about Ivy, they've taken to Pivim really immediately. Yes, and they are beautiful
0: hear at all about pivim man pivim's the greatest yeah the
1: power of the garden the power. i'm the garden just gnome. saying <laughs> uh, but furry, i have really loved garden. seeing pivim's interactions with neb in particular mm. and uh cassius had a fun question asking whether having pivim be a druid uh was intended perhaps uh to help neb with her wild shaping, uh, and uh, that Cassie has been hoping uh, for an excuse to get Neb flying animals early.
0: <laughs> um, it was, <clears throat> excuse me, um, not intended to help Neb. Really, it 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 spawned out of this idea that he could spy on them <laughs> as, <laughs> as a seal. Um, <laughs> um I just I don't know I again like I just really I had this image of like this cute little seal that's suddenly like hello you know? <laughs> <laughs> so It's like I kind of just want to do that um that's that's all the
1: justification
0: anyone's ever all- needed, quite frankly <laughs> I mean, there you go um I mean I knew I knew I knew that it would it would immediately interest Neb especially you know um Lauren plays and I was so curious and oh. so you know engaged with that so I knew that it would immediately endear him to the party and, and get some trust because I did I did need him to drop some lore I did need him to sort of function there and, and I didn't want to waste like a whole um you know a whole episode a whole chapter like gaining trust um we do that plenty <laughs> in D and D, and sometimes it can be a little repetitive. So it, but it was at least a way to kind of be like a way to make him instantly someone that they were really interested in talking to, and and again, they've been lonely out here with no other NPCs really. So uh, it was good, and it worked out well from the last time. You know, Steve, you know, was a was a, a beloved buddy that they met here. So I think. I felt pretty I felt pretty confident that they were gonna they were gonna uh, accept Piven pretty quickly.
1: I mean connect with one of the heart characters of the party is a very reliable way to get the party yeah. on board with an NPC. Yeah. Yeah. But I have to hit you with the hard hitting journalism of On the Air okay. Tay. Oh boy. Whose voice do you enjoy more, Pivim's or Nicholas? <laughs>
0: <laughs> probably, probably, um, probably Nicholas. Just because it's a little bit, it's not as hard on my my throat. Um, Nicholas is a lot of fun. Oh He's so cute. Um, Pivam and I felt bad because I was doing the play and I I was I, I was about to jump into it and I was like, oh oh, I can't do this right now. Uh, with like foolish D and D brain where I was like, oh, I'm so excited, and then it didn't go. So I got to do it for the last uh, the last chapter, which was really lovely uh, to finally <laughs> bring him out. A little out of practice, <laughs> he'll he'll settle in a little more as we go. Um, but yeah, I think I think voices. I'm not a great I'm not great at accents um, other than my my Minnesota. I do very much enjoy my Minnesota, <laughs> and my New York is pretty good. But, uh, but I do like voices. I think, you know, that that can be really fun. It doesn't always have to mean an accent. Um, it can just mean placing it in different places and, you know, plugging your nose, blah, 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 like, you know, I don't know, it's just kind of little funny tricks you can do um, to give something a whole different flavor.
1: Character voices are more than accents. Don't worry <laughs> if your French accent is horrible chat. Though also, Maybe that character has a horrible French accent.
0: Or or it's a game and you lean into the silliness of it. And yes, it's supposed to be an authentic French accent, but you can't do it. So you sound like Pepe Le Pew and we have a good laugh and you move on, you know? Because Honestly, very- that is the
1: apotheosis yeah. of gaming. There's yeah. that it, That's it, that's the win condition.
0: Just, I think, always remembering that this is a game. It is meant to be about fun at the table and great stories. Um, And and then, yes, as a DM, you want to put yourself out there so that your players feel comfortable to put themselves out there. So in some ways, if I do a terrible French accent, it encourages them to to lean into their (laughs) discomfort a little bit, try things.
1: We actually have a question a little bit along those lines hmm. from Cole 12 Monks. Uh, the first 11 monks did not write in, but we do have <laughs> Cole now asking how you would facilitate a spirit of role-playing, uh, particularly at a table, perhaps of more technically or tactically inclined players, especially if you're you're that theater kid at the table, uh, that yeah. one player embracing the role-playing aspect. How Gosh. do you, how do you yeah. get that there? Or how Gosh, do you so do your hard. part? You're not gonna change right. people, but how, do you, yes. how yes. do you move people?
0: That is that is so tricky and 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 you know, table chemistry in that way is important. And I have absolutely there have been a couple of times where I've run games for parties where I'm like, oh, oh, I'm not your DM, right? Like, like let's run this. I will lean into the game you like to play, but like this is you should probably find somebody else because this is not my strong suit, you know, kind of thing. And and you're not, again, you're not going to have as much fun playing my game. And I'm not going to have as much fun DMing for you. And this is about fun. <laughs> so it's okay if we're not always a perfect fit. Um, but I think, you know, not all of us have the luxury of finding multiple, you know, people to play with and going yeah. from party to party and all of that. So I would just, you know, make sure that everyone at the table knows what excites you about the game. And especially if you're a player, make sure that your 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 game master knows um, the things that excite you and what makes what's fun for you. And, and if they're a good game master, they'll make sure that there are opportunities to sort of let you experiment in that. Um, and then I would say if it is a tactical, technical kind of group, um. Just remembering that there are out of the box ways to be tactical, um, and and perhaps you know again if you're if you're in a party of a lot of fighters or evocation wizards or things like that, like maybe maybe you're the bard arcane, or sorry, the rogue arcane t- trickster who uses illusion, right? You know, like there are there are other ways to be helpful. I remember I I was I was playing a rogue arcane trickster and there was a big battle and there were animals loose and things like that. We were maybe fighting a lion or something like that. And my, everyone else was just fighting. They were just in combat and throwing things at each other. And my character kind of liked animals. I was like, oh no. So I created the illusion of a cage around the lion and it failed its check. So it genuinely thought that it couldn't leave this little space. And it ultimately stopped the battle or at least kept that one contained so that the others could go and find other things. And I was like, that is a tactical play, right? That's not just yeah. role play. That is tactical, but yeah. it is free thinking and out of the box and creative in the way that I think I like to play, which is just yeah. slightly,
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> slightly off beat. You know? yeah. um,
1: there so are you ways have, to be creative that are not, yeah, you
0: have ultimate control during your turn and, 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 And it's perfectly fine, you know, flavor things differently. Again, you know, like there's text in the in the spells and in the books, but you it can be anything you want. I mean, if children of verte teaches you anything, you can flavor stuff however you want. Right? So if something is a is a is a whip, you can make it a tentacle. It essentially works the same way, right? You can just Mm -hmm. change what type of damage it does, or however you want. You know, there are things, there's so many different ways to just say, when I cast this spell you see mist come out of my mouth and it travels and loop to loops over itself until it swirls around the head as long as you're not mechanically changing anything you can tell the story any way you want so I I would absolutely own your moments um, when that happens you know when a when a tactical dm says I hit you for 13 points you go oh the arrow lands in my chest and I pull it out as the blood gushes down you know like you can even if the others don't want to do it on your time you can a hundred percent lean in to your, yeah, it's your time, your time. Yeah.
1: I mean, my takeaway from that, of course, is at any point in combat, you can make animal friends. That I don't know what you were friends. intending to convey, but that's what I <laughs> gleaned from this story. at any time. <laughs> um. We have another question from Maverick 2 that simply delights me. Oh, um, hi,
0: Maverick. I know Maverick 2. <laughs> oh,
1: that's lovely. <laughs> yeah. A consistent and delightful on the airtake contributor, Maverick yeah. 2, um, who wants in this particular circumstance to know which one of Robin's jobs has surprised you the most. <sighs> I was kind of
0: surprised that she used Gooba. <laughs> I have
1: to say, Oh,
0: yeah. When I, when I was writing it, I was I was like, oh, this will be fun and they'll have to learn how to do it. And I was like, oh, wait, I wonder if Robin already <laughs> knows, <laughs> which means my research is going to have to be that much more on it. Um, and it turned out she did. So I, I, I think I actually like texted or I, I emailed Hope that night and was like, hey, just curious. Don't tell the others. <laughs> but does Robin know scuba? And she was like, yes. I went, okay. So now, but I was glad that I asked because I, it allowed me to rethink a little bit how they were going to get the information and uh, fast track through some of that, which was good. Um, but yeah, that that because that was so consequential to the yeah. story and I, I, it didn't like occur to me right up front, that was probably the most surprising.
1: So you don't have access to the master list of all of the things Robin has done that Pope that has said she has. I, th- I think,
0: I, I mean, I probably, I may have access to it. I could. I mean, I have access to all of their, like, um, you know, their D&D Beyond sheets and stuff no like that. But, from you. But generally, well, but I don't generally feel much inclined to look at it. I feel like i like players to be in charge of their characters and, and beyond the mm-hmm. things that, like, backstory-wise or patron-wise or familiar-wise or things that, like, rely on me to bring them into the story that I want to know. So I want to know your backstory. I want to know your flaws and your traits and all those things, um, your bonds. But I, but generally like you're the expert in you and in your character. And and I'm not, I'm not really designing things specifically to you. This is just a world. Again, I'm a map maker. I'm just a glorified map maker and you get to explore the map uh, and whoever you are is who you are, and that's exciting. Um, so yeah, so I I might have access to her list, but I'm I'm certainly not trying to write towards it. It's just a fun coincidence when she happens to be an expert in like the big thing.
1: <laughs> I mean, look, you never know when it will come in handy to have yeah. been a body double for a dead body on set. That never know. Super I, I would be in that document just to read the wild and wacky <laughs> things Robin's done. Not but even hoping, for the game. Just like, tell me more about this character.
0: I know. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm hoping throughout you know this game, this long, epic game, we'll get to hear lots about her life.
1: Do you think by the end of the campaign we will have gotten the exhaustive list of things Robin has done?
0: I don't know. I don't know exactly how long it is. I mean, she's only like 80, right? I mean she's oh only yeah no only 80. 80. Yeah that's like that's like 60 65 workable years in there and you know I'm sure she took some time off to like relax.
1: Yeah but there are some temp jobs that are you know three months how many of those (laughs) kind of years did she have how many of those true true (sighs) that whole notebook is just filled I'm so excited (laughs) um and it is marginally related to my scuba question from earlier, but since you said you were a Trains fan, and since we have some new adventures coming up, yes. Maverick, you also asked which of the adventures the players have experienced thus far, and I will add, or perhaps some, any upcoming, okay. uh, would you like to do?
0: Hmm. I mean, underwater is pretty, is pretty spectacular, forests are beautiful man. and close by. I mean, okay, so a big, a huge, huge, huge uh, inspiration for that adventure is Sphere by Michael Crichton. If you want to talk about great science fiction, go read Sphere. It's very, very scary. Um uh that it's Michael excellent. Crichton. Ooh, oh, it's so good. Off. Sphere. There's a movie with Dustin Hoffman and Lee Schreiber and uh, Sharon Stone and Samuel Jackson. It's very, very good. Um, and very, very spooky. But the, the book is fantastic. Uh, so I think, you know, part of me was like, man, I would love to be in Sphere. I should make an RPG where you get to play the plot of Sphere. (laughs) And I was like, oh, wait a minute. (laughs) I actually kind of can do that. (laughs) Um, So it it is a little bit in that that vein of, um, you know, being trapped in an underwater sea lab with uh, something that is, dangerous um
1: yeah i won't ask for particulars you don't even have to answer but would you want to go on the adventure that the players are heading to now oh this one
0: yes yes absolutely but again i'm writing i'm i mean general good writer's tip is like write stuff you'd want to read right write stuff as a gamer write something that you'd want to play um you know I do think that's like that's another the the NaNoWriMo folks have the Magna Cartas and you write two Magna Cartas and one of them is stuff that you love in books and the second one is stuff that you hate in books because sometimes we think we have to be like really good writers and like write about really important serious things but we don't actually enjoy reading <laughs> those yep. things yep. you know but we think that they matter in a way that's significant and so we're sort of push ourselves into that and so they really say like put those above your computer or wherever you write and remind yourself that if you start to go off into the territory of like good writing because you think you're supposed to you're never going to be as good at it as you are about writing about stuff that you really love and something that you would really want to read so in the same way I kind of I kind of only write stuff that I want to play um so yes I'm very excited about Bell Castle Cap and what's going to happen there? I what might happen there. I don't know. what they will find there, the, 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 the glorious glorious map that I have created for them to explore. Um, I, yeah, I mean, it's again, it's inspired by things that I love and things that make me itchy. And I'm very <laughs> uh, very would love to go on that. you know the worst the worst thing is that you don't get to play your own adventures. Um, you know. You know, and I I need someone else to write me a Deborah Wool style adventure so I can I can go on it.
1: <laughs> well, chat, you've heard it. We have all taken up the challenge. Please create beautiful new adventures infused uh, with palindromes and garden gnomes because that is going to do it for us tonight. Please don't forget to tune in next week for our regularly scheduled Children of Erte and watch our heroes stay cool i envy them already and thank you so much for joining us deborah you want to thank say real quick uh, where the people can find you
0: oh i am under my name on the socials i suppose uh deborah ann woll w-o-l-l uh deborah's the old d-e-b-o-r-a-h the old-fashioned spelling um Yeah, I'm not super active on my socials, but they're there. Uh, And sometimes I I will definitely post about, like, upcoming things and stuff like that that I'm a part of. Um, But, yeah, you can find me there and you can find me here every Tuesday night. Uh, Or almost every Tuesday night. (laughs) Um, Running an adventure. Exciting.
1: Perfect. So catch those adventures. But until next time, we're going off the air today.
0: Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Children of erte To learn more about Demiplane, visit Demiplane.com and embark on your own adventure today.